Hello and good afternoon. It's Sunday the 17th of January and I thought I would do on a Sunday, especially at the moment in the current climate, um, and see how it goes, a wee kind of roundup of things that have been happening in the week. Um, um, and do likes of, I don't know, I was going to call it something fancy then I thought, you know, coming up with all these different names and I thought, a wee Sunday blather. There we go. Um, there's nothing beats a wee Sunday blether along with a coffee. So I'm sitting here with a coffee and I'm going to blether. And um, hopefully in future I'll have somebody else to blether to and you can listen in. So anyway, um, what's been happening this week? Oh crikey, um, it has been, you know, in some ways um, we're in lockdown, not much is happening. And um, life has really slowed down into the slow pace. But however, in the world of politics and other things going on in the country... My goodness, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Um, first of all, what you talk about, um, basically another Labour leader has stepped down, Richard Leonard. Um, now, I didn't realise he had been leader for three years. I had to go and look it up um, because it seems like just yesterday um, in my world, um, I've got no time or um, sense of um, time. Um, that's my one of my flaws. Um, so sometimes my perception of time is a bit kind of wonky. Um, but to me, in my world, um, it seems as if he had only stepped up to the plate um, not that long ago. But turns out, no, three years ago. Um, and um, has he made an impact in Scottish politics as the, le the leader of the Scottish branch of Labour? Um, I don't think he has. Um, and I think the problem is, is Labour have completely lost their voice in Scotland. Um, they have lost their goal, their focus. They're, um, they've lost everything. Um, basically, they are just subservants of what goes on down in England, um, of the, the kind of larger Labour Party. Um, so they have become insignificant, I believe. Some people may disagree with me in Scotland um, because one of the biggest problems um, in Scotland or one of the things is Labour used to be such a, a huge force in Scotland um, you know they, they done they were you know they were leading in the polls they were um, always kind of up there um, at the top um, and now they're way down the bottom. The lowest vote they've had in 98 years. So the last time they were third place behind the Conservatives was 1910. So that makes you wonder. So something's gone wrong. And they've had nine leaders since 1999. Some of the leaders obviously have been interim leaders standing in for the more permanent leaders. To step in, so I just goes to show you see a play um, of Labour and Scottish politics. Um, something's wrong, and I think they need to step up and realise and accept something's wrong. And I think what they've done has happened is they are so focused on what the the voters want down in England that they have lost focus on what the voters want in Scotland. They are out of sync. With the voters in Scotland, um, there is a minority of voters in Scotland who want the same 
as the voters in England. Um, and they have just, they're out of sync. And this is the problem. And they need to accept that. And what's happened with the Labour Party as well, um, where it used to be a socialist party um, for workers, human rights, just generally everyday people, it's no longer that party. And up here in Scotland, it's certainly not viewed as that party. They have lost all that. They have became the party of the millionaires. And that is quite apparent with the information it's been allegedly going around at the moment within um, regarding the party and why Richard Leonard um, has gone. Um, it's all down to the donors dictating what the party should be doing rather than the members and the voters. And that's when you lose democracy. And in my view, um, that is democracy um, at a basic level. And they are taking, you know, businesses, financial institutions are running politics. And we've always known that. Um, but it's now very, it's out, in the, it's out in the open now, it's not been hidden. And how do you combat that? Me, for one, I would combat that by stopping um, businesses being able to make donations. And I would also put a stop on the or put a cap on the amount of donations that um, an individual person can make um that would be a start and because what's happening is businesses are now running are running the country um rather than normal people and they're doing it for their own interests um which has always happened and um, but as i say it's out in the open now um, they're doing it for their own interest. They're doing it for um, themselves. And, um, pardon my language, but they're screwing people over. And it needs to stop. And um, politicians, the view we have for politicians needs to change as well. The whole system, political system, needs to change. Um, you can see how corrupt it is. Um, and that's just a part of that. And... That kind of leads me on to what I would like to see in uh, independent Scotland. And I would like our politics to completely change, have an overall where these things um, are dealt with openly in debate and um, are addressed. Um, because whether it's corruption in the legal form or corruption in the illegal form, um, it needs to be addressed. Because at the end of the day, there's people out there who are influencing our policies our legislations who really shouldn't be um, and it needs to be so maybe we change our views of politicians we change their salaries we change their job um, roles we add in um, caps to you know um, in terms of um, niceties um, when they are make, make it more stricter um, especially if they're getting taken out for their dinner or meetings and things like that make everything quite formal I think we need to do something and tighten everything up um, because at the moment everything's just um, no there's too much outside influence I could be naive people might say oh that already happens or this that and everything and there's things in place 
it's not working. Nobody's really bothering. Um, and there's some politicians out there, and all different political parties, who have got really good ethics. And then there's other ones who don't. And it needs to be addressed. And I think in order for us to be um, move forward as an independent country, we need to address all this. If we're going to keep the same system as Westminster, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. We're just going to fall into that trap of the boys club, of the misogynist, um, of the racism, of the um, all in it for thyself. And no, we need to find our own way um, to ensure democracy. And that leads me on to the Yes movement or the independence movement. Um, I don't know how, honestly, I am sick of listening to the media, especially London-centric based media, um, calling the Yes movement or the independence movement all about SNP um, or Scotch scots nationalists um these terminologies are they're, they're, they're there deliberately they're there deliberately to cause division and basically it's they're trying to blacken the name of the scottish nationalist party which is fine we all know that anyway and well it's not fine but yeah we know that but what they don't understand, and it shows you their lack of understanding, their lack of intelligence and their lack of education to believe that it's only SNP members who want independence and in Scotland or s believe that we have a right to make that decision ourselves, i.e. another referendum. And that just goes to, and to me, as it's a lack of intelligence and a lack of education, and um but then again it's a way of causing division and it's a way of um causing division between um people who believe in independence and people that don't um and i think what we need to be doing moving forward is making it clear that the independence movement is more than a political party it's more than one organization it's about us as people, as individuals. Um, it's about our families. And it doesn't matter what political persuasion or background you come from. If you believe in independence, you are welcome. And we need to start welcoming people into the fold. Um, especially if we want to be seen as a progressive Scotland and a Scotland that is very welcoming. How can we do that if we're so busy arguing amongst ourselves and trying to lay blame and at each other's feet and everything else? He says, she says, um, he does, she does. It's not going to work. It is not going to work. I mean, at the moment in social media, there is so much sniping um, and, you know, that blame game. And that's coming over from the ones who don't want independence, the establishment. Um, and people being human beings are falling for it. And they need to stop it. Um, because at the end of the day, 
there's a lot of people out there who want independence, who are unsure, who are scared, which is allowed. Um, people are allowed to be scared and unsure because this is something that's never been done within our lifetimes. Um, so people are allowed to be hesitant. Not everybody is 100% confident and willing to take the risk. So maybe we need to start watching, being mindful about our language, being mindful about how we speak to people and just be a bit more understanding and when people say look I'm really unsure I really don't know ask them what they're unsure about if they just say I, I just don't really understand it fine you know start at the basics and work your way up if you get people that just don't want to talk about it and go oh, I don't like politics I can't be bothered with this be polite and walk away and go no problem have a lovely day. It's that simple. Don't get into debates with people who are unsure, nervous, or turn around and look disinterested, or even just don't want to have, because the thing is, you do not know what's going on in that person's life. You do not know what's happened 10 minutes before you started talking to that person. And um, if they've had a bad situation, you could effectively be walking, you know, get the brunt of that. But also as well, whatever you say would have an influence on them while they're in a high emotional state. Um, and that's how, when it comes to independence, um, I see the SNP, I want to start up this task force. What a load of bollocks, in my opinion, a task force. Independence movement is not a task force and it's not a party, it's people. And if we need a task force to fight our corner and get persuade people there's something wrong, there's something not quite right, um, and that's my opinion. Um, again, these opinions are mine. As far as I'm concerned, we should be we don't need a task force and if maybe the wording and the naming is incorrect but if SNP were serious about going for independence they should have had a team of people in place at their headquarters party headquarters a long time ago and that people if they needed information about independence, facts, figures, publications, whatever, it was there. That should have been set up a way back, long before 2014. It should have been set up a way back when Holyrood was formed. So I'm a bit concerned that this is just happening now. Um, and if it is happening, it needs to be open to everybody out with the SNP membership. It needs to be a public um, wide thing that everybody can access. Everybody can access the information and the data. Um, but I, one of the things I don't agree with and one of the things that got on my go with the 2014 referendum was people chapping my door. That drove me mad.
that absolutely drove me bammy. It absolutely infuriated me. And I'll explain my reasons why. I had not long moved into my house. Um, I had been homeless. I had escaped a domestic abuse relationship. And I had a young child, a toddler. Um, I was up to my eyeballs dealing with so many different issues. Um, and to have people chapping my door going on about independence. To be honest, it was the last thing on my mind. I was trying to survive day to day. And it really annoyed me. And when I tried to explain that it wasn't a good time, I wasn't interested, it was the attitude of some of the activists and campaigners. Um, on one occasion in the street, I was called a traitor because I wouldn't enter a discussion. And this is what I'm talking about. This is what puts people's backs up. This is what persuades people not to go for independence. Use The activists may think they're helping and they're fighting a fight, but you're not fighting a fight. It's not a fight. We know Scotland can be independent. We know Scotland is more capable. It's about... It's more than that. I can't even put it into words. Some days may be able to put it into words better than me, but it's a lot more than that. It's about being understanding. It's about humility. It's about compassion. It's about caring. And if you cannot get that across when campaigning and talking to people, how you meant to then convince people that's what an independent Scotland's aims are and that's what we're about about um, protecting everybody a negative doesn't bring a positive and that's the problem so I would like to see as we go into campaigning for Holyrood whatever party you're from You are an independent supporter. Be a bit mindful when you're talking to people. You do not know what's going on in that person's life. They could be going through a nightmare at that moment in time. And the last thing on their mind at that moment in time could be, do we want independence or not? They might just be struggling to survive day to day. They just might be so stressed out. Um... You know, yes, it's okay to, t I mean, we might turn and say, yeah, but once an independence gone, things will be better, life will be easier. But that doesn't help them there now. That doesn't help the present situation. What I do, and this is, thing me, is if the person says, well, I'm having a really bad day, blah, blah, blah. I generally ask them, or find out, or if you can, if there's something you can do to help and even if it's just giving them a phone number, an email address, something 
that somewhere they can turn that shows what a future Scotland could be like without even mentioning independence or mentioning going, oh, this is what we could do. There is a way of doing it. And, you know, sometimes just helping somebody, giving somebody a helping hand and, you know, they know you're an independent supporter. You don't need to wear a badge. Um, just turn around and just help people. Show people what an independent Scotland would be by your actions, not your words. I think that's what I'm trying to say, yeah. By your actions, not your words. Because words are empty. Pamphlets are empty. They mean nothing to normal everyday people like me and you whereas actions mean the world to people so a wee helping hand a wee bit of understanding a wee bit of compassion keep the heat and offer advice to your fellow human beings is the way to go forward and I believe that wholeheartedly. And I know the ones that I, um, who voted no in 2014, who are now believe in independence. One, because of Brexit and everything, all different reasons. But a lot is because of how they see the Yes Movement at its best. And the Yes Movement is at its best when it's helping each other out and putting a hug around everybody. You see it happening all the time. Somebody's in bother, like, give them a helping hand. Do, you know, grab some shopping for somebody. That is what's persuading people. Not all these people arguing on social media or bloggers or people like me bumping their gums and whatever who have a a platform um, it's you guys we're helping each other and being a huge family the indie family is honestly it's the most powerful thing ever and I hope you get that and there'll be ones out there going oh here she goes hey talking nonsense doesn't he understand politics do you know that's the problem politics has became as well it's not became it always has been it's hostile how are we meant to here's one for you right we go on about healthy relationships domestic abuse abusive relationships and um, bullying in the workplace bullying at school take all these negative bad relationships and we keep saying and we keep putting policies in place and legislations in place and we keep saying this needs to change we need to be most mindful we need to be considerate we need to be respectful blah 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 then you look at politics one of the most hostile environments in our society how can we change all our, our other relationships? 
if we're not changing the hostility within politics. To me, politics needs to change. It needs to be less hostile. Because to be honest with you, it is absolutely terrifying in terms of the bullying, the name-calling, it's aggressive, it's absolutely downright disgusting, and better still, it's childish. We do not tolerate that, or we are trying not to tolerate that in other parts of our society. But yet, for some reason, it's accepted within politics or the politic community, and that needs to stop. And especially for a female. No, I can only talk. I can't talk for transgender. I can't talk for men. I can't talk for anybody else. I can only talk for me as a female. I would never enter. At one point I would have loved to. But it won't happen now. I would never enter the world of politics. Um, due to the fact. The way I see women being treated. It is disgusting. The everything it is just the way they're spoken about, the way they're spoken to, the way they're portrayed, and the way men and sometimes the odd other women, but it's mostly men, seem to think they know better. Or they try to pigeonhole women or they assume they know women. It's that misogynist um, behaviour. And it comes from men as well who believe they're not misogynists, who believe they are for feminine rights and things. Yeah, on the surface, they might turn around and say, yeah, women are equal and whatever. But when you read their comments or read their stuff and then listen to them, no, they're just as misogynist as the rest of them. Um, there is men out there who are brilliant and fantastic and very much understand and accept women and are not threatened by women in any shape or form and actually um, quite um, comfortable we have seen women on an equal footing um, but yeah in politics there is still a certain level of hostility there for women and even crikey between everybody and it needs to stop it really needs to stop if we want to convince the world of a progressive independent Scotland we need to change and it needs to start changing with us as individuals for the whole system to change right I'm going to stop on that Otherwise, I'll just keep going on because I could go on for that for hours. Because um, one of the next things I would I would just start going on to everybody else's equal rights then. Um, Flamingo Land, right, as you know, I'm one of the other half for the, um, of the Save Love Lomond campaign. And um, basically, Scottish Enterprise have signed another exclusivity deal with Flamingo Land for another three years that they cannot enter talks with any other potential bidder or developer 
for the land they are basically stuck or tied into this agreement that with Flamingo Land that they're the only ones. Now as you are aware um, they withdrew the application um, last year with over 57,000 um, objections, individual objections and um, the exclusivity deal was up in December there 2020 and they um, believe that they're still after all the objections of all the toon and throne um, they still believe that Flamingo Land are the preferred bidders and the what the community needs I find this absolutely bloody mind-boggling. I really do. At the end of the day, this is what gets my goat, right? Planning authority in this is the National Park, not the local council. It's the National Park. Now, with your local council, you can contact your local councillors and so forth and whatever. Tell them how you feel, blah, blah, blah. Local councillors are generally involved in the local community, majority of them. Um, but when it comes to the National Park, that's not there. That's the thing, it's not there. You cannot talk to the members, the board members who sit on the planning committee. You cannot give them your opinion, you cannot enter a discussion with them, because they're not allowed. So, therefore, there is no good democracy. There is no openness. There's no clarity. There's nothing. And this is a strange thing, and this is the thing that we've been trying to get across to people um, since the start of the campaign that we started crikey quite a few years ago three and a half years ago now um and you know and this is the thing um there is how do you, you know talk to people you know to me this is what you feel as if you're battering your head off a wall um and considering some of the board members on the uh, one in particular is on the planning committee is actually yeah he basically stated an invested interest so he's not allowed to be on the planning committee on that day to vote however he is still part of the planning committee and you know human beings being human beings blah 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 you know there's influence there and i just think it beggars belief i really do and the fact, and what makes it even more disingenuous is, the national park were part of the plan, um, the 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 panel who voted for Flamingo Land to be the potential developers of this piece of land. Now, it wasn't the public it voted. It was a panel, including Scottish, um, Scottish National Park, I was going to say. No, it wasn't. Scottish Enterprise and the National Park. Come on off it. Really? 
And what they said, they did, they done a consultation, which was a couple of surveys. And from the few surveys, they decided that's what the local people wanted. No, it wasn't. Um, anything but. The local people are not averse to somebody developing the land or something happening, you know, in, in keeping with the area, in keeping with the history. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the local um, community, um, you know, get it as a huge tourist um, destination and, yeah, we could tap into that better. But for a private company to be chosen without consultation of the local community, um, a private company to be given land for the potential sum of £200,000. It's mind-boggling. You can't even buy a house in Balloch for that. And they're getting this huge chunk of land at a cut-down price. Um, so, it just makes you... And then on top of that, Scottish Enterprise has funded everything to do with it. So all your assessments, surveys, you name it, that's come out of the pocket of Scottish Enterprise, i.e. us. I would like to know, and we still haven't had this answer, how much money up front Flamingo Land has paid at, at today. Have they paid for any of the assessments? Have they paid for any of the surveys? This is what I would like to know. Um, you know, and it's not just about being against, oh, it's this, that, and whatever. It's the fact that this is public land. And the public have been pushed aside and not been given the chance to say what they really want. They've not even been given the chance to do something themselves, come up with a business plan and do something on their own. And um, last year we held a meeting, a public meeting, and everybody was invited. Because what we wanted to do was to give the public a chance, the local community a chance, to give their voice to what they wanted, what they would like to see happen, potentially. Nobody from Scottish Enterprise appeared. Surprise, surprise. Um, nobody from National Park appeared. Surprise, surprise. But some of the ideas, and it's not that people do not want or turn around and say, no, we don't want it developed and whatever. It's about some of the ideas were just amazing. They were just so in line with today's tourist industry. And especially with us being in the situation of a COVID pandemic, which we don't know when it's going to last and end, um, some of the ideas, you, you know, looking back, you could potentially turn around and say, even if we are going to be living long term in this COVID world, that would work. That would actually work. Because there was things like forest schools, forest schools, outdoor education, same, um, an outdoor education area, a hub, um, 
things like that. Now, if you had the facilities there for an outdoor educational hub already in place, the now, just think, kids could still be, okay, they wouldn't be able to attend school full time because at the end of the day, schools are shut. But at least maybe one day a week, you could turn around and say, local schools, right, St Martin's, Monday, you've got the educational hub. Tuesday, um, Aiken Bar, Wednesday, Bon Hill, Thursday, you know, even if it's just an afternoon or a morning, you know, because if the educational hub's there with the facilities, you've got that huge bit of land there. You could be having the kids doing their education outdoors and there would be shelters. And, okay, maybe not in sub-zero temperatures, but however, you would still be able to safely have kids doing some form of education at the moment um, with the teachers face-to-face. Um, so, um, I'm disappointed that things like this were never given a chance. And I'm disappointed in Scottish Enterprise believing in the short-sightedness of what Flamingoland have come up with up until now, which is very dated, outdated and so out of keeping with Scottish tourism. That is unbelievable. And to have that much faith in a company that is outdated business practices and so out of touch with the local tourism economy is quite concerning. It makes you wonder. And it also makes you wonder why Fiona Hislop isn't stepping in and going, whoa, wait a minute here. Mm -mm. This is no right. We need to look into this. So yeah, so we've got another fight on our hands. Um, the fight goes on regarding Loch Lomond, but it's not just with Flamingoland. There's so much happening around Loch Lomond. Um, we're, we're getting so many private developers walking in to buy pieces and chunks of public land. Um, if it's allowed to happen, what people don't realise is Loch Lomond will no longer be public. It will no longer be public accessible. It will become a play park for those who can afford it. And that's what's happening. That's the future of Loch Lomond. And that's what we're trying to stop. Um, we're not saying don't develop, but it needs to. there needs to be a limit. There needs to be a line drawn. Um, and we don't want it to be a play park for those who can afford it because Loch Lomond is a play park for everybody and that's the beauty of it and it needs to stay like that to a certain degree. So there we go. Um, what else am I going to talk about? Oh, my week on lockdown. Oh, days are just blending in each other, drinking too much coffee, eating too much chocolate, um, lazing about which is great fun. No, it's not actually. It's actually quite exhausting. Um, 
who would have known um, doing nothing would be exhausting? And believe it or not, I meant to be working. Um, I do work from home and I have worked from home for many, many years. Um, but there's a difference between working from home because you choose to and working from home because you're forced to. Um, and I'll explain because normally working from home for me is you're still going out and about. The main bulk of your work is done within the home, but you're still out and about meeting customers, doing stuff, blah, blah, blah. Customers coming to the house, going to meetings and all these kind of things. That's not happening. So you are literally stuck in the house. And um, yeah, even I'm finding it tough. And I do quite like my own company, so even I'm finding it tough. I'm, I'm missing my um, my so-called business meetings, which involve coffee and cake a lot of the times. <laughs> and I believe that. Um, but there is a bit, a bit of business talk in there. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I'm kind of missing all that, um, which is quite, that's the bit I'm missing. It's that face-to-face -face human interaction. Um, but hey-ho, it's all for the greater good and I'm sure we'll all get through it and it's all about keeping each other upbeat and keeping going. And um, I'm going to go now and leave you with that. And please be mindful how you're talking to people. Please um, listen to me sometimes. Crikey. Sometimes that my mouth is um, engaging quicker than my brain. Sometimes I hear myself and I can't think. And I say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> the joy. I, I, I blame my Celtic DNA. That's what I blame, my Celtic DNA. But anyway, I think we all need to. And that includes me. And we need to start behaving like an independent country. Um, if we behave like an independent country, if we start behaving how we want our country to run um, and get them to that mindset. Um, it makes independence more realistic because we're already doing it. And that's how you bring people with you and bring people into the fold is the actions. Already start behaving and interacting as if we're already independent. Um, and yeah, that's my belief. If, um, I've always, um, you know, if you believe something's going to happen and you behave as if something's going to happen, it will happen. So that's me. I'm going to leave you. Um, all my ramblings, crikey, forty odd minutes of rambling. Oh crikey, I'll be surprised. Stephanie listens to the whole lot of that, but never mind. Um, hopefully, um, I'll be able to get somebody to sit and blather with one day which would be quite good, but we're early days yet. So take care, look after yourself, and remember and be mindful.